This is Jonah Hill, and you're listening to the only podcast that matters. Bro gang, we are joined by the Sultan of the Side Zip, the newest citizen of the post sneaker world. Vision forward, but the fitted backwards. Escobar season has returned. The superintendent of sweats, the hoodie head honcho. Call him Dennis Schroeder because all he does is serve LeBron assists. The French Terry Cloth King, money long, but the game shorts. Executive producer of 8808s and Heartbreaks, Don Dada of the Design District. The only L's he ever took are the two in his name. Designer, John Elliott. John, how you doing? Oh my goodness, yo! <laughs> How do I top that? I am great. Thank you for having me. <laughs> you you don't need to top it because that's our job, John. Yeah, right? you, just, you, you just get to there chill and hang out. Now that we we've got you settled in, and and you mentioned this a bit before we started, but talk about a long time fucking coming, dog. Man, you know? I, I mean, I've known you guys for my entire career doing for your this. whole life. Yeah. <laughs> we were yeah, there when I you mean, were born. Literally, you guys, you guys are like the first people that um, I met at complex like 10 years ago so yeah, yeah. The, this has been um to watch what you guys have done as well like huge congratulations to you guys in the following <laughs> that you guys have you know taken very like in different places and, and held on to like huge congratulations to you guys i've been following as well so Thanks, uh, cool to, you know kind of do this together and we're just happy pales, to be here pales in comparison to your yeah. meteoric rise where you were uh pitching matthew henson on hoodies that you had been selling out of or not selling, but yeah, take actually, yeah, selling orders out of your backpack at like magic and agenda. And then yeah. you're like, yo, thank you for letting me into complex. And then I'm just fucking writing listicles next to Matthew Henson. Shout out to God. Um, yeah. so let's <laughs> talk look, about, and let's look talk about now. You're the, you're the, you know, you're a fashion empresario. You've got this whole fucking situation and we lost our jobs and now we podcast full time. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what it is, bro. So you just came, you just came on the show to flex on us for two hours under the guise yeah. of being a fucking, you know, benevolent overlord. Yeah. But John, the first thing we want to do is we want to do a fit check with you where you are going to walk the audience at home through the totality of your fit, which I assume would be like full JE. Cause like, this is a bit of an infomercial for you this segment of the pod but we'll, we'll leave that up to you the choice for you sir is do you want to start top down or bottom up i'll start bottom up for okay sure. correct well, well done well done like, yeah yeah i mean bottom up is like how you have to start right that's is that how you get dressed are you like a foundational dresser where you start with kicks or i mean nowadays like i kind of have i have a uniform i would mm. say and so i don't i don't put as much thought into it as if like i was if i'm in new york like i'm thinking about how i'm dressing you know oh, when wow. i'm in la like you know I'm, I'm in my car and i'm going to the office i like i'm i will test things and i will experiment but for the most part when it's like a busy day i just stick to the uniform so like right now it's just i'm wearing Cool gray edition one, uh, our new runners. Nice. Uh, made in Italy, uh, the, the runner, my, our new slug socks, uh, Skittles. Oh yeah. Thanks for the socks, by the yeah. way, James, James All and I gas. believe I'm wearing a pair right now. These shits are motherfucking toasty dog. Yeah. They're great. Right. They're great. All three of mine are in the hamper yeah. right now. Cause there I wore them go. fucking hey. off rip. <laughs> I appreciate it. Um, so yeah, it's slug socks, Skittles. I like, Skittles is our cast two fit that I've been wearing for like probably six years. Um, a new t-shirt that I haven't released yet that I'm experimenting with kind of like oversized thick rib. 
um, kind of like a big T and then uh, just like a surplus thermal that also hasn't dropped yet, but will be coming out in fall. So, and that this is like two pieces, the T and the um, thermal, like I always kind of like design things together mm-hmm. um, so that they like will work together. And these are two things that I've been working on for the fall. Do you wear test a lot? Like all your shit? Is that like one of the most fun parts of the job? Like doing this, like R and D where you're like, I'm the only guy who has the big T and the new thermal. And I'm like, you know, testing it out on some Neil Armstrong shit. (laughs) Well, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, the, the thing about me is, you know, I didn't go to design schools and I didn't, I didn't, I apprenticed under Simon Miller, but um, yeah, but I didn't, um, you know, I took, that was like really like a hardcore kind of like, uh, intro into the denim world. So I didn't necessarily like, um, have like this, like esoteric, like I want, I want to, you know, create like this, art. Or this, Wearable yeah, this art. person. It was, it was more just always like solving my own problems. So, um, and I still take that approach now. I'm like, I want this with this. I want to ex- like really experiment with like extreme different, differences in length and and you know lately i'm kind of interested in like you know two different textures or two different weights of fabric but I, you know i do kind of always take a denim approach to everything hmm. i do so like i think that's why the french terry program took off like early early days you know when when we first launched the brand it was denim jersey and french terry and i really thought the denim was going to be the hero of the offering And the French Terry is what really took off. And I think it was because we took like this denim approach to French Terry. And when you say denim approach, does that mean, is that like fabric first? Is that what you kind of mean? Or when you, what do you, what do you say? When you say denim approach, what do you exactly do you mean? I mean, it's, it's everything. It's so it's, it's a heavy, you know, it's when I say denim approach, I mean like, you know, 2008, right. Like coming out of like that post recession era, I feel like guys really kind of, um, started to like look at their closet. And I feel like a lot of people felt like they had been kind of burnt by (laughs) contemporary brands, you know, like that contemporary denim market. I bet you guys would look at like what they had in their closet and think about all the embellished back pockets and shit. Right. It was like like the metrosexual wave. I was going crazy. Yeah. I was going crazy. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) You and and chief Keith, bro. Yeah, exactly. And so I feel like, you know, coming out of that, people kind of really started to dive into this like Americana, like yeah. where are your personality into your denim and, and coming out of that, that was when I was apprenticing with Simon. And so it was very much about like either authentically breaking in raw denim or um, trying to achieve washes that looked like they were, you know, kind of like from that APC Butler program. Right. So uh, when I say like taking a denim approach to French Terry, I, I think it has everything. It, it's all encompassing. It, it's a heavyweight fabric. It's, you know, stitching details that are unique and um, will hold up over time. And then it's like thinking about how the garment will wear. So it's like putting, creating silhouettes that like, you know, have intention, whether it's like, if it's meant to be oversized, then there should be like a length disparity between like, you know, a crop and and what a t-shirt will look like underneath it or early days, you know, like a slimness. So like Mm -hmm. for the Escobar, for example, 
it was supposed to be super, super slim when you first get it, knowing that over time, gradually it will, you know, start to relax and, and fit a little bit looser, but, um, you know, still hold up. So it was kind of like taking a, this approach that is really found in most like denim kind of manufacturers and applying that to not only French Terry, but also Jersey as well. Are you wearing the, your sweatshirt and uh, working our way up the fit? Is that Jersey or is that French Terry? What do you have on today? This is thermal. That's so it's like, the, oh, that's the thermal. Got yeah, it, yeah got it's it, the surplus it. okay. thermal. So the, okay. and, and it's just like, it looks again, thick as fuck on Zoom. It doesn't even live, looks more like a, like a sweatshirt. It is, it is. It's like, and so it's a 16 ounce thermal. Um, it's like the heaviest gauge thermal that we can knit in uh, LA. Okay. And uh, yeah, it's like, you know, it, it'll like break needles. Like it'll break needles <laughs> in a circular machine. <laughs> Right, right. And that, you know, it's like, but this is what I wear that to your vaccine appointment. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, exactly, exactly. I'm hoping to get that back soon, man. You and me both, brother. brother. Yeah. Uh, Uh, And then the piece de resistance, the crown, dude. Yeah, bro. I mean, you know, I got the the Yankees lid on. I mean, my my grandfather took me to Yankee Stadium uh, when I was in eighth grade, and he's an Italian guy. And you know, I grew up in San Francisco, and he was like. Look, I know your dad raised you to be a Giants fan, but this is Mecca. He's like, you travel around the world. He's like, nobody is going to know the San Francisco Giants. He's like, everyone in the world knows the New York Yankees. And he bought me a Yankee hat. And that had just kind of been the move. John, a few questions. Uh, How many Yankee fitteds do you own at any given point in time? Yeah. What's the rotation? I mean, bro, so I moved, I I moved like back in October and it was, I'm I'm talking like hundreds. (laughs) Why? Why? I mean, cause you just, you know, they all, they all have nuances in the fit. So you find like (laughs) one that you like, you rock it for like a week or two weeks and you You have like, you have like a black tie fitted. You know what I do? You know what I do? That secret about mine is I unpick the new era sign on the side. So I'll sit and literally unpick that shit no on free, every no single free, one. No free on advertising. I mean, let, now I'll like. I found a. Uh, I found a tailor shop that'll do it for me. And like the first time I did it, she was like, "Okay, twenty five bucks." And I went back, and she was like. The next one, it's going to be 75. That shit took me three hours. I was like, fair enough, Damn. fair enough. You're like, not do, you, only, do you do bulk orders? Yeah. yeah not, exactly. o- not only are you getting fleeced, but this woman thinks you are truly insane. So Yeah, exactly. She's like, why do you care about this? How, have you owned a thousand Yankee hats in your lifetime? Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's possible. It's possible. It's, <laughs> it's so funny because like the people from my hometown, they'll get like sort of heated about it, especially after like a couple yeah. drinks. They're like, yo, why, why the fucking Yankees? I'm like, it's just, it's, it's the move. It's the only hat that matters. What's your uh, hat you size? Know. What's your fitted size? <laughs> Seven and a yeah. four. What does your hair look like? <laughs> I don't know if anyone. We, yeah. Let's see the cut. Oh, oh okay. He's fresh. We've known each other for years. And this is the first time I'm seeing it. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, still, still got it, but Yeah. Just do you have a permanent hat. fucking give a permanent like mark like yeah uh, right like, I guess you have the, the size <laughs> dialed in so hard yeah <laughs> I mean try to avoid it right like when you okay. when you do go on vacation Absolutely. you know my Absolutely. wife is always begging me to put sunscreen on and I'm trying to get zapped for the first couple of days <laughs> and lest we forget to make it a yeah, complete fit check what are yeah. the panties John? after five hundred twenty five thousand six hundred fitteds what's yeah what are the panties bro. <laughs> Dude, these are actually mine as well i'm working oh. on underwear as well so nice. uh these are in the r&d phase right now yeah yeah r&d phase 
How's how's, how's your that. how are your boys feeling? Yeah, how's your dick feel? <laughs> Wonderful. Wonderful. <laughs> how's how's yeah. the dick feel on these bad boys? <laughs> is it is are they boxer briefs? What can you what can you reveal? We're, are they boxers, we're boxer like, briefs? We're like, we're like six minutes in, and I'm already giving how's my dick feeling? <laughs> yeah, what up, Mike? I know you're in the cut right now. Yo, Mike, how's your dick feel too? Let's ask let's ask all the homies, dude. Yeah, that's what we're doing in 2021. Yeah. Wait, is it a boxer brief, John, or is it a boxer? Like what is it? It's a boxer brief. It's a boxer brief. And the boys are like, great. Yeah. We're gonna need we're gonna need some of those float float our way for show. As soon as I have some to send out, you you guys can rest assured you will be on flow for this. Yo, if you want some field, if you want some field, if you want some field testers, you got Lawrence, you know, married dude, just fucking chilling on the couch, binging. You got Jimmy, the Jimmy Jimbo the himbo putting in work in these streets, you know. Uh, field hey, testers. I'm excited to, excited to get your guys' feedback. I'll send Absolutely. them out as soon as I get I'm, I'm excited that we're only whatever six minutes in and we got the episode title now, which is Dick Feel. So thank you very much, John. <laughs> Appreciate you, man. What about jewelry, John? I know, I know, uh, oh, yeah. you love you love the subtle jewels. Yeah. So again, a bunch of my own stuff, but it's all twisted. So I I was like, I wore like five chains at once. I think uh, coming out of Paris, and I was I ran in them, and they got all twisted up. And so they're all twisted up. I have like two crosses at uh, like the side of my neck, like a seven and like an like, onyx. How long have you been twisted up? Yeah, you, you can't untwist them. What's what do you want to do? I can, but I just haven't. I've left it. I've been wearing them straight for like almost two years now. But right before the pandemic, I went to uh, I went to Vegas uh, because like two of my best friends they got divorced and then Boys they true. got remarried in Vegas and um my homie was on acid my homie was on acid and we were in the club and uh he was like <laughs> we were gonna take like a group photo and he's like yo tuck that shit tuck your shit <laughs> I'm like what he's like tuck your chains they look mad whack <laughs> I was like what are you talking about you're on acid bro shut up I, you, I, don't, I you don't get to have him. an opinion <laughs> I tucked him and then um and then, like, uh, I was out to dinner with him recently, and he was like, bro, I've always loved your chains. I love your chains. <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? I was like, bro, when we were in Vegas, you told me to suck that shit. Damn, bro, dude, I was on guy. acid. Yeah, he's a flip. Your, your boy's a bit of a flip-flopper, bro. Yeah. You know? yeah, I guess he forgot. I'm not sure. Any watches, John? Are you a watch guy? Zero, nothing. Really? Respect, yeah. dude. You don't yeah. see that a lot, because I feel like guys at your level – um, and, and obviously this is case by case and everyone's different, but I feel like you, you know, dudes will get like a, uh, I made it watch at various points of their career. Do you buy yourself little, like maybe it's another chain or like, are you more of like, oh, I'm going to cop a whip to celebrate something? Like, is there anything besides fitteds? I guess is what I'm saying that you would buy <laughs> yourself to celebrate your career milestones. Uh, that's a great question. I mean, honestly, nothing right now. I mean, I, you know, I've always been pretty much like, let's keep reinvesting in the business. So I, you know, I think at some point I'm like, Oh, I'll do something. Um, but right now it's like, honestly, no, I I don't have like a good answer to that. Like it's like expanding, expanding HQ. So we just like our design studio is definitely improved mightily like we just made massive improvements there you, need to, you might want to work on the wi-fi you might want to fix the yeah wifi. yeah well that's i mean that's the last that's, item on the agenda yeah that, we haven't gotten to that yet yeah we haven't gotten to that yet damn throwing fit should take a page out of the john elliott school of thought uh we had a financial scare today where we realized that we almost had zero dollars in the bank account because we yeah. withdrew way too much money to pay ourselves yeah, we're, we're celebrating for no reason versus yeah. being smart like john and but let's talk about mode. 
let's talk about some recent W's you just put up. Um, John Elliott just launched in-house footwear, right? You dropped the lace-up boot, which are fucking gas. I can personally test to that. You launched a Chelsea boot, a mule, and uh, the runners that you're wearing. Um, which of the footwear that you launched is your favorite? I mean, what, I probably worn the Chelsea the most. Um, I was LA. Yeah, the speed lace up is actually probably my favorite. Um, you know, like it's it's like it depends on where I'm at. Like if I'm in my house, I'm wearing I'm gonna wear the mule, of course. Like right. I'll slipper mode. Um, but yeah, I mean, like when I when I was flying, like I wore the speed lace up in black. Um, and yeah, it just depends on like where I'm going, you know. But right. I will say that like having that offering to style with and to kind of like complete looks, it's, it's like, it's a, you know, it was a long time coming. You sure. know, we had done uh, four shoes. I can't even remember how many colorways of those shoes with Nike. Yeah. Um, and that was like pretty, a pretty incredible way to like understand how to design in three dimensions, you know, cause it's definitely different doing footwear versus like 2d designing in two dimensions um, for apparel and getting to kind of like take some of those ideas and implement them into our own inline footwear. Um, it's exciting. And then being able to complete looks like, you know, there's, there's still more coming. Like, as you guys know, there's yeah. still a lot that hasn't dropped yet. That, right. James I hasn't think, mentioned the loafer yet. Like, and that's fucking, you know, I've got a pair of those. Those are crazy. Why, why so heavy in the non sneaker categories? Like, was there a thought, what's the thought process there, John? I think it's honestly like, you know, we don't, like I said, we've done four shoes with Nike and, um, I think it was, it's just where I was at. I just, it was just what I wanted, you know, it's like what I was drawn to. So like, you know, the sum, summer of 2019, like I started to started to wear loafers again. And it was like, okay, I actually am interested in trying to figure out what our language would be in like this style and how we could, you know, make it fit within our wardrobe. And that what loafers idea, were you like, wearing at that time? Like, what were you like? Were you wearing Prada or like what kind of loafers? I'm actually really curious. I was, yeah, I was wearing a Prada loafer. Okay. And so it was like, you know, how do I, how would I take this and make it like ours? You know, what would I, what would I do to clean it up and to also kind of make it feel like even more sport? And so Throw a spoiler on that bitch, you know, the vibes, there's <laughs> some D's on so that the, shit. <laughs> the soul of the, the loafer that you have Lawrence, that soul is actually, it's, um, it's from motorcycle racing. So it's like super heavy. So it's kind of like counterintuitive. And when, sure. when I first wanted to do a loafer out of that, the people in Italy, they're like, yo, this is, this makes no sense. You shouldn't do it. And I was like, no, that's exactly why we should do it. Yeah. Um, so they just, look, they look fast as fuck aesthetically, but like you put it on and part of the joy, what I really like about them is that they are so substantial and it feels like it's honestly why I love a Gucci loafer. There's like yeah. actually some weight to that soul, at least totally. the older models, you know, I yeah. appreciate that. So, but, but I get what you're saying where it, like, it looks fast as fuck, but it's actually like diesel. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. No, it's, it is, it's heavy as fuck. And so, and that's because it, that, that soul is intended for performance. Uh, So I was like, okay, once I saw that, I was like, okay, this could work. And then from there, you know, the loafer was kind of like the starting point. And from, from there it was like, okay, like I, you know, I want to do a derby. I wanted to do bring back a creeper. We had done a creeper before. Um, I, you know, we had done kind of like a hiking boot. I wanted to push that. 
I felt like there was improvements that we could make there. Um, and it was like that, that's where my mind was at. And then it was like, you know, from a, from a business standpoint, people were like, well, you should, you know, we should really be thinking about a basketball, like, you know, like a sneaker. And I was like, I just was not interested in doing a sneaker. Um, and I felt like, you know, the runner was really kind of, you know, that was something that I figured I could wear every day. Um, so that was kind of, you know, where I poured a lot of attention, I would sure. say. But it's interesting because we, I got a trip in to Florence, literally like in uh, the middle of February. I was in Florence from like February until like the end of February of last year. And I landed and I was like uh, jet lagged. My wife woke up and she's like, hey, the, the virus is like right where you were. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like I like woke up and she's like, yeah, yeah the, that, that virus from China was, is in Italy, like in the towns that you were in. And I was, it, it was very lucky that I got that trip in. Otherwise, I really think this program probably, you know, it wouldn't be in existence right now. How long front to back does it take for, for people listening at home that maybe that understand that, like, like you're saying, designing in 3D is like this new challenge. But like, how long does it take to design a proper shoe, a loafer or a boot? Like what from from kind of like when you sketch it to when you like you know, have a, a sample and then when it's released, like what is that timeline? Just generally speaking that, well, this whole program took a, that, like it, this whole program took, I would say like a year and seven months. So almost wow. like, yeah, a little over a year and a half. Crazy. And you know, the thing about it that I think has been eye opening for me is I was kind of rushing it. We were going to do, uh, you know, we were preparing to, to do our first show in Paris for spring, uh, in, I guess that would be a, yeah, spring, summer show it spring, summer 21. Um, so that would have been like last year in June. And, uh, I was like, we were really sprinting on this program to get it ready for those shows and having that extra time for this program was like such an eye-opening experience where it was like, man, maybe we need to rethink this. Like maybe slow like down. We, yeah. Yeah. Maybe the calendar is not, um, your friends serving <laughs> us. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Sure. So just, just having that extra time and having those extra turns to get the product to a level where it's at now, it just, it gave it the, you know, the ability to just be perfect. And I think moving forward, I'm like kind of applying that to the way I'm thinking about everything in terms of showing and um, launching collections. I mean, John, uh, it sounds like you're kind of, you know, removing yourself a little bit from the hype cycle. And I wish I had some confetti. I wish we were there to, you know, raise a glass uh, to celebrate the fact that you are now a goddamn motherfucking member of the post Inca world. And we welcome you with open arms. Yeah, buddy. Um, and to be welcome. clear, we're not saying that, you know, the post Inca world is not anti sneaker. We're just saying that here in the post Inca world, we appreciate and love and maybe are sexually attracted to shoes beyond just sneakers and beyond just the sneakers that fucking instantly sell out, get resold for like 10 X and then, you know, create this bubble around uh, artificial hype. I mean, how does it feel to be a part of the post Inca world? My guy. I mean, you know, it's funny because I think, like, I think it's, 
kind of happened just based off of being a part of this, like, I, I don't want to say like the cult, like being a part of it for so long, it's just natural. Right. Like mm. it's not, um, I'm not like, Oh my God, I need this new like sneaker. Like, I feel like anyone who's probably listening to this podcast is probably past that point in their life. Sure. You know, they Hopefully. like, I would hope, I mean, yeah. Well, you know, yeah. At, at this point, like, I think, especially being this deep into the pandemic, I think people have really had a chance to like spend enough time with themselves and figure out what, you know, who they are and what speaks to them and how they want to represent themselves. And I hope that like, you know, attaching yourself to like a hyped ass item enough people will realize like that doesn't, you know, that doesn't like check the box. That doesn't like make you right. uh, an interesting individual. That says nothing about who you are as a person or your personal style or even your taste level. Right. And that's yeah, exactly. the unfortunate but, reality in 2021. Right? I mean, the, the truth is, is at this point, if you're wearing that kind of stuff, I feel like it actually puts you in a box and kind of like yes. puts you at a level where you kind of get removed from potentially having like a significant taste level. Sure. Do you, John, do you buy sneakers? Cause obviously like you probably are plugged up at like Nike and shit. Like, did you care about you? You're a Jordan guy. I know you love like Jays. Are you more of like, I'm an 85 collector. Do you get hype about like the new releases yourself? Like as a fan, not so much as a designer, but like as a consumer yourself. Um, I mean, I definitely, I definitely was able to track down the, uh, not whatever the white natural gray or neutral gray, natural whatever. Gray. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I got those. Um, but other than that, that's probably the only pair of shoes that I've, I've purchased. Um, how many 85s do you like, own? Like you have a collection, right? Yeah. I think I have seven pairs <laughs> like in, in all different colors or. Like, yeah. I have the metallics and blue. Yeah. I have the cool grays. I've got like three pairs of Chicago's. Do you I wear those? That yeah. 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 I wear them. Of course. Sick. I mean, I have a homie in Japan um, who's been living in Japan for 20 years and he kind of started to, he kind of like started in on this. So I can't take credit for it, but sure. he was like 85s are like natural resources. He's like, <laughs> yeah, there's a commodities. finite amount. He's yeah. Like, yeah there's sure. like, there's a limit, like, and he's like, you know, so he's been kind of gobbling them up. So every once in a while, he'll be like, yo, check this out. And um, when he has something that is in my size and is interesting, I'll, I'll usually take it off his hands. This motherfucker's like OPEC. Yeah, exactly. for controlling yeah. the supply. Exactly. Do you have a cop? Do you have cop sneakers from that son of the Nike VP who uh, ran the sneakers app? <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna avoid that. Herbert. <laughs> Shout out to Herbert. Another fucking big W in the John L. universe is you just, uh, you're now the Don Dada of the Miami Design District. You just opened up your second shop there. Um, We get it. You know, New York City, you got to refine the crap before you come up here. We get it. We get it. Uh, But why why did you choose big leagues? Why did you choose Miami to open up a new shop? I mean, honestly, like New York is very, very much on our radar. I would say that. Like, I I definitely. um, Make sure you put a fucking podcast studio in the back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we we understand how important New York is and we understand how important New York is for us. I'll start by saying that. Miami, you know, the, I think when you think about the way we dress, the way um the line is kind of assorted, you know, honestly, the fact that like as we touched on in the beginning, I'm really designing for myself living in LA and in terms of how that climate translates, like it just made a ton of sense. Um when we looked at the kind of, you know, 
cohorts that we were going to be able to be next to in Miami. Um, I did a FaceTime with someone from the Miami design district and they just like walked us down the row and it was like, okay, Chanel's opening here. And then here's Gucci. Here's Bottega. Here's Rick, you know, off white stone Island. And this is where you guys would be. It was kind of, that was, um, that put us in a spot where, you know, that and the space was so beautiful that, um, it, it was very, you know, it was, it was intriguing to, to be amongst those peers, um, you know, as a young brand, like it was, it was an opportunity that we couldn't say no to. How, how much stake do you put in those adjacencies? Like, because, you know, there's one train of thought that's like, yo, build it and they will come release great product. You know, obviously build this store out. Like, you know, it, like John's going to do versus like, oh, it does matter who's in like the immediate vicinity. Like, how do you, how much stake do you put in, you know, that, that crowd? I think it depends on the market, honestly. Like, I think like in New York where people know us and we have, I think, a a real following, I think we could probably, you know, we could take that route. I'm not sure if we will, but I think we could take that route where you, you know, kind of take a more obscure like location with the confidence of knowing that like most likely people will come. The destination shop or whatever. Yeah, exactly. But I think in Miami, you know, Miami is like a different world, right? Like it's, you have so many inter, excuse me, international, um, like tourists coming through Miami and going to the design district. It was, it was both a opportunity to do real business and also introduce ourselves to mm. a new customer. So like I think a good first where, impression. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah and I think that's where the, you know, the brand adjacencies matter in like, a location where, you know, obviously like we have a huge following within like the NBA and amongst athletes and you have so many guys who train there in the off season. So that was like, that was a huge reason. And so that like, was like, okay, we know we'll do well with like that. However, in terms of, you know, introducing ourselves to a new customer, we felt like the design district and then being amongst those, you know, subset of brands, it it put us in a position where, you know, we'd be able to, introduce ourselves in a really nice way where where is john elliott currently like where are you hoping to grow the brand around the world and where do you where are you starting to see inroads like you know you talk about the nba the nba is so influential in china korea and obviously those are such huge markets um like where's john elliott growing and or where do you want to see grow in 2021 and beyond yeah so i mean honestly like right now we're still i would say we're still super focused on like america honestly like, you know, that's, I think there's still tons of room to grow in the U S um, Melrose, you know, people talk about like retail. And I think a lot of people were talking about retail before the pandemic, but um, I think doing retail well is still super important and, and very valid. And um, I think like, you know, Melrose was like a, an eye opening experience for us. We, you know, it was only open for uh, nine months last year. And it still like is, you know, a, a, it's a, a huge addition to our business. Right. And that's why Miami was, you know, such an interesting opportunity. I think New York is really interesting. And then I think there will be opportunities to like grow the women's business in smaller markets and kind of test things, you know? Sure. So I think right now we're, we're just, we're super focused on growing it, still growing it in the U S uh, we've seen a, like a huge interest in the UK, specifically in London. 
Um, Shout out and to fucking I, blokes and mates and lads. Yeah, yeah, that's actually like our uh, our number four biggest market is, is really London, like the extended UK. Yeah, that I feel like, and I don't know if I'm surprised. I don't know if that's going to surprise people listening, but that is surprising to hear. But very cool. Yeah, um, I mean, obviously the culture that 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 the UK has with clothing is uh, extremely influential and like very important globally, right? So the fact that they fuck yeah. with you is a big cosign. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, it was kind of like we knew it just through like digging through, you know, Google analytics and, and, and analytics on Instagram. But like, as we dig further, it's like, there's a big customer base in the UK. So that's really interesting. There's a big customer base in Japan. Um, you know, I think Japan is another one, just our ties to Japan through like my, you know, our like head of development, really like my brother Nobu, uh, who I built the brand with, like in the fact that we, you know, we do all of our denim in Japan. We do like a huge amount of our cut and sew in Japan. We source a majority of our fabrics from Japan. Um, I think Japan is a really, really important market for us. And I think as China opens up um, and they can start traveling again, I would imagine that Japan is going to just explode. Like it's going to go nuts. And I think that is a really interesting market for us kind of heading into 22. The last time you and I spoke at least IRL um, was <laughs> about talking about how you kind of take, you love, you love traveling Japan. You, you, you have uh, your friends and family there and that you try to instill a lot of like uh, qualities found in like design culture there in John Elliott. And, yo, I just want to tell a quick story real quick. This is everything you need to know about John Elliott, uh, the man, the myth, the legend. So Lawrence and I, like the fucking scrubs we are, right? We got seated like fourth and fifth or sixth or seventh row at some Kith show, like all the way in the West Side. It was when like LeBron was uh, there, like Scotty Pippen was there. We probably had like the locks or fabulous performer, some shit. And... I swear to God, a homie of mine who's like not in the fashion world, he he uh, was boys with Emily Oberg and he's like, yo, who's that guy who's who's with the backwards Yankees hat? And why does he fucking know everybody? He's dapping up literally fucking everybody. And then so me and Lawrence could see, obviously the home is standing. Me and Lawrence, you know, we get seated sixth row. We're like, yo, John, what up? You obviously have front row, front and center, Ronnie, that's your guy. You're like, yo, you come sit with the fucking scrubs in the nosebleeds. You forego your seat next to like Scott Disick or whatever. And you come <laughs> chill with us. And we're just like fucking chopping it up the whole show. We're yep. like barely looking at the clothes. You're like, yo, I've seen all this. I love it. The Versace shit. Yeah, whatever. Um, and you're just like, I just want to fucking chill with you guys. That's yeah, that's, that's bad. Everything you need to know about John Elliott right there. I mean, you've been you've been fucking with us before it was. Well, I don't know if it's I was going to say before it was cooler, popular. I don't know if we're cooler, popular now. I think we're cooler <laughs> and more popular now. But, John, you've always yo, you've always been a homie, dude. You've had the vision. And that's why that's why we're just happy to have you, man. You, man, you, I mean, Lawrence, the people, I, bro, I remember Lawrence. I think I was showing like our like season four and I was trying to get into Barney's. And so it was like you, me, and Julian, and Mike. And, like, we showed you the line, and then we went out and got drinks afterwards. For sure. And, like, I, you know, I had known you, obviously, through Complex, but I just, there's certain people that you click with, and, sure. you know, James, you as well, bro. Like, it was like, it's just, you meet people in this industry, and there are moments where you're like, okay, this is like a homie, like a real homie. Right. Like, I, yeah, can, yeah. I can be myself. I can let my guard down. And that's always been the way I've been with you guys. It's like, I can be real. So I've always appreciated that. One of the yeah. highlights of Market Week always just getting, was getting shit-faced with you and Mike. Like, you just knew, like, you could fucking set your clock to it. Like, all right, last appointment. All right, we got it scheduled. Let's get fucking, let's well, get because, snatched. Because yeah. you're the homie, because you're the homie, John, we know that we can ask you the big questions. Uh, you know, we are, we do fancy ourselves 
ourselves a bit of a gotcha journalism. Um, I want you to turn this up so the whole fucking room, the whole HQ can hear it. Which city has more trash style? Is it LA or Miami? Yeah, who needs your cool. help more? <laughs> I mean, I would, I, I would, you know, Miami is an, an amazing city that I like really enjoy visiting. And uh, I think it's going to continue to grow. Like, you know, I, I have to say, like, going there in the middle of the pandemic, people in LA were like, yo, are you insane? You're going to Miami? Well, the pandemic and, doesn't exist in Miami. Yeah, right. right. It's not even oh, real. And I got there and I have to say, it was like kind of refreshing to like, forget about fucking COVID for like yeah, a yeah, couple yeah. of minutes. Not saying like, yo, obviously take COVID seriously, sure. but um, I don't know. I mean, it's just, it's a different world down there. Like, yeah, I, and sure. I guess my point is the like, Island of lost toys or the yeah, like, graveyard or whatever. I feel like I can completely. say that, like I can easily say that LA has way better style than Miami and Miami wouldn't give a fuck anyway. They're doing their own thing. Like they, you know, they are, they're definitely living a nice lifestyle in Miami, yeah, but they need, they need your help dog. They so I guess help. it's yeah, good please. that you're, you're fucking, you know, touching we're, down. I'm glad you're there doing sure. God's work. Um, <laughs> yo, a lot of people don't maybe not don't realize this, but like John Elliott, the, the company is a, a family business. Um, your wife, she oversees men's and women's design and is obviously clearly a huge fucking reason why you guys are, are experiencing this nonstop meteoric rise. I guess my question, John, is do you feel like you are maybe holding the company back and you should just like give her the reins and let her run the whole thing? Like that's obviously I mean, she already does. She already <laughs> does. Like it's so funny working with your significant other is because like, you know, I would say 95% of the time it's great. But every once in a while you'll hit like <laughs> a real argument and it can be like kind of explosive sure. and she just she'll win and you have to like just walk away from it and yeah that has been um you so know, your employees that, are just watching you get fucking sunned by she, your wife <laughs> yeah, no, definitely a thousand percent uh, she in the room right now can, can she can she hear you uh giving no, this answer no, no she's picking up my daughter right now john blink blink twice if you're okay <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly exactly yeah, she's behind the wall yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, it's gotta be fucking hard. I mean, what, what's like beyond the nine, like what is the hardest part? Just like when stuff maybe crosses into yeah, like that 5% uh, blurs that line. I think, you know, you, it's when you hit like a real issue, like you, you can, you kind of probably both of us can sense that like they're, you're approaching like a sensitive, like time, like you, you know, you tread lightly. It's where you least expect it, where it's like something that shouldn't be a big issue you know it's like a color choice or like a you know um like something like a something new detail or whatever yeah some of the way something was styled on the website and like you know you make a comment in front of someone or she makes a comment in front of someone and then you kind like it's it's when you least expect it that it'll blow up but i mean i will say we've been go you know we've been working together now for like over five years and I think the, the, you know, the trajectory that we've been on in those five years speaks for itself. And I, you know, I definitely, I feel like the, the fact that like we work together, like it just, it pushes you that much harder because there's answers that certain people will need. And it's like constantly in front of your face. So even at like 10 o'clock at night, 11 o'clock at night, like when you want to kind of eject, it's like you end up by osmosis just continuing to go also right. you're not surround she's never going to be a sick fan or a yes man she's going right. to call you on your bullshit and be like no john like you're wrong 
Yeah. Well, that's the biggest thing, right? Is that there's real obvious, obviously there's like real trust there, but I mean, the people who I'm working with, like it's everyone who I work with <clears throat> like really, really closely. Like it's people who've been really in the brand for 10 years now. So there's real trust across like the, like, you know, the top of the brand at this point. And it's, and it's cool because yeah, I mean, dude, sometimes, sometimes my ideas are trash and you know, get called out on it. Like doing this podcast, trash idea on your part. But, but John, have you ever thought about like James caught, like mentioned the family business and there's other kind of fashion couples like, um, you know, Lemaire and his partner and, you know, uh, the Myers who do Jill Sander and, um, you right. know, even what when Matthew Williams, you know, for a while had like the family business thing. Have you Rick thought and Michelle. about yeah, Rick yeah. and Michelle, obviously. Have you thought about like making that more of a public facing partnership or is it really just about like the product and letting that speak for itself? Like, have you thought about hamming up the husband and wife thing basically is what I'm asking. <laughs> I, I try not to ham up too much with, with even myself, you know, like I, I like, I'm not even totally comfortable like being the face of the brand at times, you know, that's why like the brand is unbranded, like really it's unbranded. Like, it is my your whole, name. So there's it's my that. name for sure. Yeah. You know, like it's so funny that you say that because like, I, you know, yeah, I, I was hesitant to call it my name. I didn't want to, but the like, we just, you know, it made the most sense. What were some other, what were some yeah. other options you were mulling over? It's so funny. Cause yay asked me that same question. I like couldn't, even tell them like honestly i don't even remember they were all they were that bad huh yeah they were bad like it was like 11 years ago so i i would have to go through old notebooks and look but they were trash i think i remember i mean i was in hancock park i was driving back from downtown and like you know we started the brand with nothing like i i put my life savings into the brand started like fifteen thousand dollars i was sleeping on aaron's couch I was driving my grandmother's uh, like fucking Honda. And yeah, I was I like, about this fucking. Yeah, this yeah dude, I mean, it's the, the early days are pretty well documented. And I just remember like, you know, kind of thinking like, hey, if this is going to work, you got to put your name on it. And mm. people always refer to me as like my full name. So it just made the most sense. But yeah, I mean, in terms of the relationship, like, you know, trying to like really kind of speak to that, I, I don't think my wife would be comfortable with it. Like, I don't think she wants that. She doesn't like, you know, we have a daughter now. We definitely don't want to put my daughter out there. We want her to be able to like, you know, do whatever the fuck she wants to do with her life and not have to feel like she, if, you know, she has to be a part of fashion if she doesn't, if she's not feeling it. She's like 15 months old. You guys, uh, you guys, you guys kind of like coming to blows over like one little thing reminded me for me and Lawrence, it's like, no, the verbiage on this meme is wrong, bro. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> can't, can't say fit pick twice. Yeah. Other, um, than, other than that, we never argue. But Lawrence and I, yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, we're, we're fucking, uh, cursed or blessed to be with each other. Sorry. Freudian slip. Um, <laughs> who's a better, who's a better creative collaborator, your wife, right? Who oversees all John Elliott design or LeBron James. Oh man. I mean, that's a tough question. Um, <laughs> yeah, dude, it's what we do for a living, bro. You're going to piss off. Easy. You're going to piss off someone here. Yeah. You want to piss off yeah. the king or yeah. you want to piss off the queen? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm going to, I am gonna. I don't think my wife would even like mind if I said that I'm going to go with LeBron as a better collaborator just because he's LeBron. I mean, yeah. you know, the fact like when you work with someone like LeBron, you kind of, even though you have a uh, idea of what it's going to mean for you and what type of exposure you'll get, you really underestimate how 
in, in, like the enormity of that opportunity and how much of a global icon he is. I mean, just to give you guys like perspective, we went to Shanghai for the first drop, the, the black and white icons. And um, we were at the Nike lab, like, and they were doing um, like basically like an in-store where he was going to do an appearance and uh, he was on his way. And they were like, uh, oh, there's an issue. Like, you know, I didn't know exactly what was happening, but I heard rumblings that the event was going to be canceled. I was like, well, the event is going to be canceled. What the fuck is going on? It turns out that two kids had snuck into the vents, like of the AC ducks, to try to get a look at LeBron. There were people in like, the tree. like Bruce Willis and Die Hard. They were like, yeah, fucking- yeah, straight up, straight up. And like, there were people like in the trees across the street. <laughs> I mean, they were like literally, I mean, I'm not even joking. There was probably like 10,000 to 20,000 people outside, outside yeah. of this, just to get a glimpse of LeBron. And so when you do something with someone like that, it's just, um, you know, it's, it's a whole other scale. I think that a lot of people under like, you know, that story is incredible. So thank you for sharing. But as far as like LeBron and his perception as like, you know, a fashion fan, really an enthusiast, like he's obviously worked on all this product and he has unknown and all that. But what is he like as like a pure John's enthusiast? Is he like guys like us? Is he like more of a dude that like relies on a stylist or like other people's like advice? Cause he can't give the mind share of that. Like what's he, he like when it comes to actual product and gear? I mean, he definitely has, he has opinions and he has a, right. like a North star in terms of his own personal style. Um, I mean, he's also LeBron James. And so he's like, you know, he's the world's greatest basketball player and he's been holding down that title for what? Like, 17 seasons now. Yeah. I mean, that's like when you think about it in that scale, what he had, what type of work he has to put in to be at that level. It's honestly like, it's mind boggling. Right. You, you layer in his business interests and you layer in the fact that he's like a legit family guy. Like mm-hmm. he should have no time, right. but you know, I've seen him recite like word for word, like, and you can play any song from like a, a Jay-Z catalog and he'll be able to like recite it word for word. I mean, the amount of like just information that he can retain, he's a genius. That's and so he, he definitely has like, he, he has a North star. He has a strong personal style. He's obviously like, you know, he's surrounded himself with cool people. And I think he, uh, you know, he's not like, he's not like a John's enthusiast mm-hmm. um, because I don't think you'd expect him to be, but he also is not going to, he's not going to look goofy. He'll definitely right. like, He's not, he, you know, he, you won't catch him looking just super silly. Yeah, you will never catch him lacking for sure. His said maybe that out. one Tom Brown short suit. Um, yeah, or besides all the Tom Brown. <laughs> <laughs> what about, what about like his design process? Cause I know going off what you said, I know he, I'm assuming that he's like very involved. I was at Def Jam when he, when he like EP'd the two chains album. Um, yeah. And I know that he was like actually surprisingly like involved. So like yeah. working with him on, on the sneakers, what was that like? I mean, it's so crazy because like he was, he was very involved. And I I think, you know, I I have to give him like a huge amount of credit for why we even got to Nike. Honestly, he, he really pushed for, for that. He really helped us get those collaborations. He advocated on your behalf as like a homie. Really? Yeah. 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 I mean, he, he definitely advocated. 
What's that? Did, do people know that? Is that have you talked about that when like we were doing press and stuff like that? He kind of like brought you into the Nike family. I mean, obviously, he has a lot of sway, but I assume I, mean, I, think, I don't think I've ever talked about it. But if you were to just like if you were to do some forensics like <laughs> on <laughs> on our shows and on our like journey, you'd be able to put it together ourselves. I mean, I was in downtown L.A. in my grandmother's car. I get a call from this guy and he's you know, it's a random Ohio number. And he's like, um, he's like, yo, I, I work with LeBron. He, he had been buying our stuff at this store exhibition in, uh, in Cleveland yeah. and he became like a huge fan. And he was like, yo, like he wants some pieces. Like, you know, who, who should I speak to? And I, I'm like, you know, literally no money, like doing production myself. I'm, I'm thinking I'm getting pranked, you know, like, who right. the fuck, bro? like, I'm like, all right, well, how about this? I'm going to be in New York, uh, showing the line in, in July, like come through, if you can like come out to New York, I'll show you the line and we'll put together like a whole assortment for LeBron. Sure enough, came through lovely saw next thing you know, I went out to, uh, to Ohio and like met with LeBron and Maverick. And from that point on, it was like pretty clear that we like, we shared a lot of the same cultural touch points, like same age, like grew up playing basketball, like grew up playing AAU, um, you know, obviously huge Nike fans. And so that first show, the first ever runway show we did that coincided with the NBA all-star game in 2014, I believe. Um, and that show we, we sent LeBron, uh, I think they were like the LeBron 12s. We did IDs and we sent them down the runway and like, the connection through LeBron is what got me to campus. That was the first time that I went to Portland and that was kind of how all the doors opened. Damn. Well, I mean, that's, yeah. If anyone is a gatekeeper, it's fucking the King. You know what I'm saying? Like that's uh that's one guy you definitely want to have. That's yeah. kind of what you are to us. You know what I'm saying? You're all yeah. LeBron yeah. James. Oh, dude, yeah, totally. basically. For sure. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's how I think so as well. I mean, no, John, I mean, like, sorry, go, sorry, ahead. go ahead. No, 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 you. You. No, I mean, it's just, you know, it's funny because like when we got the icon, um, we launched the the first colorway, the black and white colorway, and they smoked, they sold out in like, you know, a couple minutes. And um, obviously was, was feeling really good about that. And I, you know, I had LeBron had my number, I had his number, but it's not like I'm texting with LeBron often. And um, that next morning, I got a text message from LeBron at like, you know, like early, like 7 a.m. Right. Um, with like a list of ideas with like, <laughs> like color chips and like call outs. And it was like clear he was doing it himself on his phone. And that's that's how involved he was. He like he takes anything that is attached to his name. You can bet like he's going to be involved with it and he's going right. to have opinions. And, um, you know, dude, he's. Yeah, it's not an accident how successful he is. Like he's he's brilliant. Um, John, I mean that's a fucking early you know milestone. I think in the John Ellie business, and and I, you, you kind of lose track, right? Like th- the fact that like you know uh, first show Kanye shows up, fucking you know the the show you did in New York with like LeBron Bieber. I mean, and it's not just celebrities, but like kids loving your shit, shit selling out instantly. Um, do you ever get? do you ever ever have any fear of still being pigeonholed as like the hoodie and sweats guy and uh, you know, not 
allowing people to, or, or people not kind of focusing on like the more minutiae, the more like involved shit, but kind of uh, only remaining focused on the early John Elliott stuff that still I'm sure sells incredibly well. And it's still part of like the uniform, but like, how do you, do you care about being pigeonholed or like what people perceive of, of you and what you do? And that's, I mean, I, I appreciate you asking that. I think it's a great question. And um, I think a couple of years ago, I did, you know, a couple of years ago, like when we, you know, after doing like whatever it was, like 10 shows and having seen some like blurbs and press and pe- people would still be referring to the villain and Escobar's, that shit would really kind of, you know, irk me a little bit. But at the end of the day, like, you know, those two styles, I think at this point, they're kind of like icons of the brand. Like they sure. sell incredibly well and they were novel enough to like still be relevant and still yep. like be like a way to uh, introduce a guy to the brand. So now I don't care. Like I, it doesn't bother me at all. Like I look at it with respect. I'm like, you know, the, those two products were so strong and so important that they were able to take you know, me who was a hungry dude who had good ideas and was gritty um, and was, you know, really like trying to get more ideas out that those two pieces allowed me to get to the point where I'm able to like experiment with, you know, a tiger camo where I'm doing, you know, uh, three different dye processes on one right. print in order yeah. so that I can wash it out and it will look, you know, like, like vintage 1960s Vietnam era, like tiger camo. And, and if anyone is ever able to put those dots together, no, they probably aren't because you know what, like they don't care enough. Right. To do sure. So I don't, it doesn't bother me. Like, you know, it's like, well, if anything, it's probably it's probably like uh, you know brands. Uh, th- they put out logo tees typically, right? For for you, like maybe this is your logo tee, where yeah. this is like an entry point for a guy that that doesn't know about like the work you put into textile development and research and references, but this is their portal into the John Ellie universe. Yeah. A and vessel this is how of discovery. They, yeah, yeah, this is yeah. how they learn. I mean, I used to. The truth is, I used to care like more about what the like quote unquote industry thinks of like myself personally and then the brand, the greater brand. But I think now I I'm just, I'm really confident in the product that we put out. I'm really confident in the ideas and I, I'm, I'm, I have fun doing it and like sometimes caring what like the greater industry would think of myself or the brand and the integrity of our ideas would fuck me up. Like, honestly, like there, there were times where a fucking sentence in a Vogue review would like send me down a spiral where I would like overcorrect for a season and I would do like something that didn't make sense for us from a business perspective. But that's like, that's like something that you need to learn as a young designer that like, um, you know, it served me. And I think now it's just about balance. It's like, look, I, I, I love, I love the fact that we still have the building Escobars in the line. They still sell incredibly well. Um, you know, is it like, is it what I'm passionate about? Like 
for, you know, spring, summer 2022. Like, no, that it shouldn't be because I'm working that's on new old. products. Yeah. That's like yeah. older stuff too. It's like, you know, it, it can, like you said, it can serve this purpose. Like James is talking about, it can be this vessel, this portal, and it can obviously enhance your bottom line and open up all these other fucking lanes for you. Um, and I think that it's crazy. I, you know, I never, I, when you talked about the grit and the hunger and like, I definitely know you as that guy, but I feel like in all the years I've known you, I never really knew about this kind of like chip on your shoulder that you had to some degree. I guess that's something that you kind of like internalized, right? And like, oh, I have it? a huge chip on my shoulder. Still like huge. Oh, definitely. Yeah, huge, huge. But I try to just channel it. I try to just channel right. it. I, mean, I have a huge chip on my shoulder. I think you have to, to a certain degree, to like get to this level, you know? Yeah. Um, you have to have something that's driving you. You know, I think. I've always been like, I won't say pigeonhole, but I've always been kind of like typecast as like the super humble, like, you know, humble beginnings, like kid. And, um, and that, that is true. Like, that's definitely true. But like, I was also the kid listening to Meek Mill, right. You know, fucking like dreams driving nightmares. Around, yeah. Driving, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Listen to Meek Mill, like, you know, dreams nightmares, like, you know, doing production myself, like, you know, just really like betting on myself. So, um, you know, I, I, and I think now as I've gotten a little bit older and like, I think, um, you know, been doing this for a while. Like, I think there's like a quiet kind of confidence that you finally get to where you're just like, I'm really, I'm really happy with the product that I'm producing. I'm really, I'm really curious about like, you know, chase, I'm, I'm just, I enjoy chasing down curiosities, telling those stories and, um, you know, like making product for the, the audience that we have. And if like the greater fashion industry as a whole, um, you know, if we never reach that like incredible superstardom that some of like my peers may have gotten to, that's totally fine with me because at the end of the day, like I, you know, I'm really confident in what we have as a brand. I'm really confident in like where we're going. I still feel like we're, you know, kind of like people are still discovering us and that's a mm. beautiful thing. Sure. You know, my name is a family name and I'm in it. Like I'm, I'm in this for the long haul. So yeah. I don't need, like, I don't necessarily need like some huge moment, even though we've had big moments or even b- approval from the ivory tower or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, like, exactly. Like I, I don't feel like there's, um, and at this point, honestly, I, I, I think the industry is a bit fractured mm-hmm. and I think the pandemic has like done that. And I think the, the realization of like just doing what serves your customer and doing what serves your business first is like, that's, that's what's most important right now is like, you know, survival honestly. Sure. Yeah. yeah I absolutely. mean, at the end of the day, the product, it's the product that matters it's the bottom line that matters and it's the consumer that matters. Right. And like, they're going to, they're what the consumer thinks and, and ultimately dictates is really like who, who gives a fuck what the external perception is beyond that. And, and the consumer is King and queen. Um, I guess like what is the best performing piece in the John Elliott collection typically? Ooh, that's a good question. I mean, you know, I think like, you know, obviously our core is where like, that's still probably close to 65% of our business. So, you know, t-shirts, uh, French Terry hoodies, sweats, um, and denim, like that's, that's 60% of our 65% of our business. But, you know, we, we obviously, um, have done 10 shows and we haven't done one in a couple seasons, but, um, 
like those collection pieces that we launched kind of as like under like a drop cadence, we'll see like things that kind of uh, will spike. And it's like, wow, like this could be kind of treated as like almost core. And we'll like grab those and like, you know, almost put them above the core and like relaunch those. And so I think it's like, it's almost like a, like a, a, a tide, like stuff is constantly coming in and going out and refreshing. And so, you know, but it, the core is always going to be rooted in those essential pieces, which is like, you know, the, really the foundation of what makes up a, a man and woman's wardrobe. Sure. What's something, what's, what's something that uh, sells really well that might surprise people like that they wouldn't expect yeah, the, the sleeper hit. I mean, honestly, the footwear program is off to a, a just ridiculous yeah. program. Shit's I mean, like sold out on Essence, right? Already, right? Yeah, sold and, out. And, and on our side as well. Damn. I mean, you, you know, we had um, boots sold out. We had like high hopes for it, but I don't think we expected this. So every once in a while, like we'll get, you know, we'll we'll launch something and we'll be shocked by it. Like we, you know, we'll launch like a two thousand dollar leather anorak. And we'll like have, you know, enough units where we think like, you know, we should have this for six months and it will sell out in a weekend. And, you know, it's like, yeah. you learn about your customer, you know, you learn about like who your customer is and what their disposable income is. And, and you, you know, we're, we're learning as well. On the, on the flip side of all of these like sleeper hits and then like, you know, iconic blastics, if you will, what's been like a notable brick that maybe like really surprised you or like really bummed you out, but like, you know, well, you had I to mean, learn to move forward. Yeah, I think, well, I kind of touched on it. I don't think there was like a, um, a particular product that I would focus on, but I think, you know, so when we were like heavy in the show circuit, you know, we did that first show where Ye came, uh, second show was running through Vietnam. So like, uh, that show to me was like a classic that I think that was like a, you know, if I was going to use like an album reference, like that was like a classic album for us. Sure. I literally went to Vietnam and ran, like tried to run from, uh, Ho Chi Minh to Hanoi <laughs> and, um, like just really put together like a super focused collection off of that trip. And I knew like, so when you say focus, you mean like something that, that was more maybe conceptually tight than anything you had done up until that point. Is what you mean? Yeah. Well, I, I think what happened was, um, thematic rather we had that first show style.com writes like uh most popular kid in New York fashion week, whatever. Facts. And Jay comes. And I just knew that like the industry in general was going to be like, okay, like, let's see if you're real, you know, like, let's right, see what right, you right. do next season. And if, if you're bullshitting, we are going to be, the claws are out. We are going to tear you the fuck down. And so um, I kind of had always had this idea about trying to like capture like this wash palette, like, and putting it through that lens. And so that, that collection, like almost killed me, like putting that together. Like it was, it was an incredibly challenging collection, incredibly challenging show, but um, you know, that it was like incredibly critically acclaimed. And I think like we had major retailers who were still on the fence about the brand. Right. So Mm -hmm. like, Barney's hadn't picked us up yet. Bergdorf hadn't picked us, picked us up yet. No sacks, no essence. Like we're still super small. So we should not have been doing shows yet. <laughs> and then after, um, after that show, we got everybody. And it was right. honestly like we could pick and choose who we wanted to sell to. And um, I think like from that point on, like I felt like the spotlight got a little bit bigger. So from there, we did the show called Over the Line. I went to Berlin, like went to Bergheim, spent like two days just doing like, research, doing research, <laughs> <laughs> losing my mind. In Berlin. Sure. 
Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and then uh, from there, like that was where I like after that, I felt like there was like a line or two in a Vogue review where it kind of just rubbed me the wrong way. And that's where I was like really kind of expecting like praise from the industry. Mm. And so I think I overcorrected and um, I did this super conceptual collection called watching water. And like we did, like, I was really thinking about the runway. So we like invested in all these silks so that it would have like all this movement. And, um, you know, we got like incredible reviews. Like I satisfied the editors. Like I, right. I checked that box. And um, I remember like after the show, just like partying so hard and like <laughs> feeling like I'd done it. You know, I'd gotten, I climbed that, that hill. I had satisfied this urge to be accepted by the industry and I remember waking up the next day and being like, fuck, like, how is this going to retail? Yeah, and, right. <laughs> you know, Can I like, sell any of this shit? <laughs> <laughs> and it was, you know, it was a tough season. It was honestly a tough season. I mean, I remember like WWD called it a top 10 show of the whole season. Like, you know, including like all the, all right. the Paris show, all the European shows. Yeah. Um, but that was a huge learning experience for me. And, and, How and did I, it sell, by the way? Did it sell well or did it actually underperform? No, it was a brick. It was a, I, <laughs> we caught, I caught a brick for sure. Yeah. It was like, you know, it was, it was super pastel color palette. It was like a lot of silks, linens. It was super expensive. Right. Um, it just was not like, it, it honestly wasn't a good move for like where our business was at and where I had come from. And I sure. think like, you know, it was like this moment where I had to look in the mirror and really be real about like who are, who we were, yeah. who I am and, and why be, you do it, who you do it for. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I think, you know, that like, ask me what I do and who I do it for. <laughs> that, that scar served me uh, and the brand really well. I think. You think since then you've kind of like been like, yo, why are we trying to please the wrong people? Like there's always going to be a disconnect between like the elite uh, perception or acceptance and the fucking kids that are actually buying this shit. Right. Totally. And I think that's the thing, right. Is that like, and I think that's where the pandemic honestly like might really serve brands is I think everybody has really had to sharpen their focus on their customers and sharpen their, like their intent on their business and what, why they're doing what they're doing and really be careful about how they spend their dollars. You know, I think like, you know, the pandemic has like totally re-scrambled culture. And I think people have had the opportunity to like really contemplate what's in their closet and be like, yo, you know, am I proud of how I look in this photo? Am I proud of, of what's in my closet? And I think like, you know, creating pieces for the right reason, you know, that's, that's what I'm trying to do now is like, to build stuff that's going to, you know, like stand the test of time, both from like a versatility style component and like a, a way of make where like you can own something for, for years and years. And um, you should be able to blend it into your wardrobe, like in any era. Right. It's exactly. an honesty and integrity thing that like not everybody has in this. I would say most people don't probably have in this industry. Right. Well, the yeah. commodity. In another yeah. Side. I think, you know, and it, the, the thing is, is like, um, I was lucky enough to partner with like my business partner, Nobu. Right. And, um, he opened up a pipeline to Japan and like in that pipeline to Japan, I started to travel there and go and meet with, uh, manufacturers like face to face. And and honestly, in many cases, like kind of like recruit them, I almost say like beg them, but like <laughs> ask them to like, 
to do, to work with us, especially when we were younger and we couldn't hit quantities. Right. And you know, these are like, these are companies who are working with fashion houses. These are companies who are, you know, literally producing at like the pinnacle of capital F fashion. And here I am sitting at dinner with them. And after like enough reps with them, enough times going to visit them, not only are we building like real businesses with them, but there is also like an exchange and a respect that is taking Mm. place where it's like, you know, it kind of influences the way that you think about product and the way that you think about their business. Because, you know, if, if we don't protect like certain ways of make, then we're going to we're going to lose. We're Use it or lose it, right? Yeah, it's going to be gone well, forever. I mean, what you guys love, what you guys like, you know, probably like love about like men's, like fashion in general, like it's at risk right now. Sure. Because like um, a lot of smaller businesses, a lot of mom and pop shops that are like focused on one or two things, especially they're getting squeezed right now. Yeah. So, you know, really trying to figure out how to like focus on those ways of make and and highlight those ways of make and make sure that they become commercial and you're exciting your customers and like those customers like cherish those items. That's kind of where I'm focused now. And I I think that's wrong, but oh, sorry. Well, that's that's the unseen work that people don't see. Right. Is like researching uh, and finding and developing relationship with like a button guy. Right. Or like some woman that has fucking been, you know, a master dyer for for decades now. And I think like I I do hope that that is kind of what people start to uh, focus on or, or think is important. I mean, right now to take it back a little bit, like uh, one thing that is so visible and so easily spread and shared is like a celebrity cosign. I mean, you mentioned that Kanye coming to the show um, really made people's fucking next break. Uh, you know, J- Jay-Z and Beyonce wore your shit early. And that was obviously a yeah. huge cosign is the celebrity cosign. That was back in like, you know, 2014, 2015. Yeah. Fast forward five, six, seven years later is the celebrity cosign as important now as it might've been back then. I don't know if I'm the right person to ask. Not just I'll not ask, just for yourself, not just for yourself, you, but any like emerging honestly, brand. Let, honestly, let me ask you guys. You guys tell me. I don't know. You like what do you guys think? I, I mean, for a new, I, for I think a new brand, depends. I feel like that's the old. It's still the ultimate tool. It's, it's instant exposure, but then it's like, is it superficial? And mm. is there? Can the brand like yourself? Like, can the brands follow up with like a sophomore album? Right? Yeah. Was it a flash in the pan? Was do they just know like Travis's boy who like got it on Travis's back? Um, or can it is be there, bigger than the cosign itself? Yeah. Right? Or like, or is there yeah. is it nepotism? Or is there more depth to the whole to the whole damn thing? I think so. I think for for us, look, I, I you know I I don't want to be like so removed from that those moments and act like it wasn't like the big. It was a huge deal, you know, when Kanye first wore the sweatpants. I'm not even fucking lying to you. I swear to God, I was in the car with fucking Mike and we saw a fucking rainbow. I swear. <laughs> <laughs> That's a true story. Right. Like, we saw that. And like, literally right after that, we saw a rainbow and I was like, yo, this is crazy. Um, I'm I mean, on acid right now. Like my boy in Vegas. We knew that that was like a transformative moment when he came to the show, the energy in that room you know, instantly shifted. It was like a, you know, it was pretty much like you knew that that was a life-changing event. So I don't definitely want to zoom out after like years removed from it and act like it's not a big deal. It is a big deal, but I think, you know, 
there has to be real depth behind the reason, you know, like it can't just be like a celebrity cosign. I think if there's a celebrity cosign and then there's depth behind like, you know, an integrity in the product and the ideas and the way that you, you know, the way that you market yourself, then that's, that's the recipe, you know, that, that can put you on a, a, you know, like that can create a cheat code for you, but you need need the fuck, you need to have the substance, I think. Right. Is there, um, and I've always, I always felt at least as a, a kind of like an observer, a third party that the relationship with Ye was very deep and was about product and a mutual appreciation for like, you know, the, the love of a lot of the same stuff, particularly in the, the, the fashion space. Is there a Kanye moment besides the rainbow that like you cherished that like was, was extra transformative for you uh, throughout the years? Yeah. I mean, um, I know several Kanye, you look, I, I, I love Kanye. Like, you know, he's, he's an incredible human. Um, and a friend, I, you know, there's been a lot, um, you know, there was one time where he was shooting a video with Vic Mensa. I can't remember what the song was called, but, um, so I went to the video shoot and then afterwards I was in the trailer. Yes. I was like, yo, what are you about? Uh, no, it wasn't Wolves. It was, it was like in that era though. Okay. It was a, it was a Vic song. And then okay. I, yeah, I can't remember. And, um, he was like, yo, what are you about to do? I was like, I'm about to go back to the factory. He's like, you're going back to the factory right now? I was like, yeah, you want to come? He's like, sure, let's go. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I called Nobu and he, you know, I told him I was going to a video shoot with Kanye and he's like, Nobu couldn't care less. He's like, cool. right. <laughs> Yeah, like, sick, bro, I'm whatever. Like, I'm like, yo, hey, uh, Ye's on his way to the factory right now. He's like, what? I'm like, yeah, come on, Ye's on his way. And so Ye had a driver and I had parked. So uh, I had to run and go get my car. And so Kanye had like a 15 minute head start on me. So Kanye <laughs> shows up to the factory, like solo, like right. by herself. <laughs> it's just like walks in solo, like with Nobu, like Kanye West showing up with a factory, right. like unannounced, like, you know, so, like people were like, what the fuck? Yeah. And, um, yeah. I mean, I think I, I would, the moment that I, I have always wondered like what they talked about, like, you know, right. like, yeah. what, what the fuck they were talking about, but yeah, I mean, how about know, the, uh, the weather, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Shit. I mean, you're that John Elliott has a thousand Yankee fitted. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, you know, there's Kanye is, he's, you know, obviously like he's always working on uh, a lot at one time and he, he thinks in such a different way. I mean, it's, you can't even like put a box, you can't use a word to, to, to describe how, the way he thinks. So um, it's just always inspiring to be around him. You know, it's just, it, it's really inspiring. And then, you know, I think there's things that I do in terms of like the approach that I take to specifically like cut and sew that he's always really admired and, and been uh, interested in. And we've shared a lot of common ground and thoughts around that. Is there, I mean, besides Jay, Bay, Yay, <laughs> Lay, Braun, um, is there, is there like whether well a celebrity, a lister, or just like someone who you fucking respect or, or, you know, love with all your heart? Is there someone like who's someone that wore your shit that really kind of blew you away? Oh, man. Someone who wore our stuff that blew me away. Besides Jimmy I and Larry. Have, I would, <laughs> yeah. yeah I would have to think about that. I mean, that's a great question. I, I'd have to think about that and, and come back to it. I mean, there's definitely, 
there's been moments where you're like, you're shocked, you know? Um, but uh, I'd have to, I'd have to think about what it. What about the know? last moment where you're just like, where you just kind of like, yo, you had to pinch yourself. Like, I can't believe I'm, I'm at where I'm at. Cause like, obviously you're, you're putting in hours at the office. Like this, the, the, the grind, the rise has been meteoric. Like we've said, but like, have you, when was the last time you took a step back and just like, yo, I cannot kind of believe like I'm, I am where I am. Um, I used to do that more than I do it now. I think like, you know, I think when you're younger, you're so hungry to get to like a place of stability and a place where you can pay yourself a little bit and you can see, you know, the, the plaque at Barney's was a big moment, you know, like, uh, celebrity cosigns, like all those things, like they're just moments. Right. And then they go away and they don't change your life. Right. And so, um, I think now, like, I, I think the realization of like, you know, who I am as somebody who is generating ideas and the access that we have to uh, ways of make, there's like a real, I feel like there's just an opportunity. And, and now I like, I feel like I really belong. And I feel like there's like, you know, I honestly am just motivated. I feel like there's a ton to like ton more to push, you know, not only me, but like our entire squad. Like, I feel like, you know, we've, we're really just at the beginning of, of doing something really special. And I think that like, that's inspiring. Like how big is the team right now? How, as it stands right now, I think it's, it's gotta be like around like 45, 50. Who's your favorite sick, bro. Who's your favorite one? My wife. Well done. Correct well answer. Done. All right. Who's your least favorite? <laughs> your <laughs> wife. Mike. Mike. No. <laughs> Easily no. Uh, no, as, no to, 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 to continue the celeb convo just a little bit before we move on. Who's somebody that wore your shit that you were like, fuck, I hate that this person is wearing my shit right now. Oh my God. I need to, again, I gotta be careful. I mean, it's gotta I know, be, I, yeah, it's, gotta be know, it's gotta be food God, right? <laughs> <laughs> Damn. I don't want to shit on someone who's all right. All right who supported the brand? Shit. You're it's too all, humble. Yeah. We'll do it. We'll do it's it. Also, for you. It's also Jimmy and Larry. <laughs> yeah, it's us. When in doubt, Yo, uh, um, I mean, us. we haven't. Even, we've we've kind of touched on a few collaborations, but obviously, obviously, you've collabed with Nike. The Sweet Coke fucking sandals are big gas. Mars jewelry is it Mars or M A R S? Uh, small shop out of Japan. That I know that that was near and dear to your heart. Do you have a dream brand that you would want to collaborate with? I mean, you know, I, I'd really like to work with Gore-Tex fabrics. Like, uh, I'd, I'd like to work with Gore-Tex just because I respect them so much. Um, you know, I've like, I, I yeah, there's a ton, man. There's a ton. But I think right now, you know, not to be cliche, I think it's more just like if a collaboration happens, then like you treat it with respect and you pour so much into it that like um, you need to like, you know, you need to have the proper amount of time to like really like make sure that it it goes off without a hitch. Um, so I'm not like actively seeking out collaborations. Like I was going to say, I feel like you in an era, right. Or the, the era that we're kind of like moving out of, um, collaboration was, and even still is everything. And I've always been surprised and, and impressed that you like don't collab with more people. Cause I feel like you must be getting hit up all the time, but it's interesting to know that that's like super intentional because you don't you collaborate hold, for collaboration. Right. Exactly. You're do you want to do it for the right reasons. And like, you don't just do it as a cat 
cash grab because all these collabs make no fucking sense, right? <laughs> yeah, well, look, we've done our fair share of, of collabs that didn't make that much sense as well. So I don't want to, like, I don't want to, you know, like sit here and act like don't oh, perjure oh. yourself on the podcast, dog. Yeah, exactly. like, oh, yeah, we're I'm I'm fucking innocent here. Like, right, but people at least, can go okay. through, and there yeah. are some JE collabs that make no fucking sense. But you were early. You were early. The guy who did this? You were early on that collab that don't make no sense type shit. <laughs> I'll give you yeah, that. I, I invented dumbass collabs, motherfucker. Remember, we were talking to this is JE. You know, you just you want to make sure that you have time to do something that is going to going to matter, right? And you don't want to, you know, if you sign up for a collab that your heart isn't in, like you're gonna look foolish because right. collabs are noteworthy. So if you fucking flop with a collab, like it's it's to, in my opinion, it does more harm to the brand than it does good. Like for sure. just not like, and there's so many that I think nowadays people can like really kind of read between the lines. It's like, yo, there's so much fucking product in the world. Do we really need this fucking silly collab? Like, probably not. Your time would probably be better served just really focusing on your own product. Absolutely. Sure. I mean, John, you you have the you have the thirty five thousand foot view. Uh, you've been early on the on the goofy collabs. Um, you're obviously influential to not just like existing brands, but I'm sure a lot of kids that are looking to start their own shit. I guess like coming out of the pandemic, looking ahead. Uh, you've offered a bunch of darts, but like, where is streetwear? Where is menswear headed in your opinion? I think it's headed. I'm really excited with where it's headed. I think it's like, I think it's like getting more sophisticated. I think uh, people are, you know, I think they're more educated. I think they have, you know, thanks to people like you guys, honestly, they have more confidence and they have uh, honestly, like more of a, uh, platform and more of a, like a kind of freedom to take risks and to explore, but, but do it in a way that isn't like sheepish. I think I feel like, honestly, this is like a real renaissance for menswear. And it's, I think coming out of like streetwear, there's still like streetwear stylistic cues that will remain and still be fresh. Um, and that's exciting. But I think that like, you know, a re- return to like a more kind of, you know, smart way of dressing is, is really refreshing. And, uh, you know, I think it's going to be really interesting to see if, um, there's any kind of like, you know, people have been hypothesizing coming out of the pandemic, if there's going to be like this kind of like roaring twenties, um, like moment, right. Like if there's going to the be the like, summer of all time on deck. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. As we've right? said many times. But, yeah. Like if there will be this like kind of like, you know, just a like over like abundance of like, right. you know, really, really overdressing. Like I think that's going to be interesting to see like as, you know, the vaccination really starts to like be rolled out for like our generation and younger generations, what happens after that. But I, I think, you know, right now I'm very confident, you know, in like where like the zeitgeist is headed. Sure. In terms of like individuals, because obviously we just like James said, took like the kind of big picture view. But in terms of individuals who wear your clothes and, and you're a guy who I think, you know, you you have great personal style. Like you said, you designed kind of for yourself when you see uh, a, a young person, a kid, a young guy, whatever, wearing your stuff like 
how how much do you pay attention to how that person wears it, whether they're kind of like copying the website, wearing J.E. head to toe, if they're kind of like freaking one piece in like an interesting way? Like, how much do you pay attention to that? And how can you even like message that to the customer if you can at all? Um, I, I, I think I used to pay attention to it more, honestly. I think, you know, like there's definitely like a hardcore cult following for the brand. And, um, I think I like, I used to, you know, pay more attention to like where that cult was at in terms of how they dress. Mm -hmm. I think now the, you know, as the brand has gotten bigger, I kind of feel like we need to set the standard and, you know, it's like, my, like, I think through osmosis, through like the people that you associate with the places that, you know, like sell your brand, the, the, you know, the people that you talk to, you sure. just hope that people, you know, will be able to, to sensibly put themselves together. I, I don't, I don't obsess over it. Like I right. used, like, you just I want used to lead like, by example. And then it's in God's hands, you know, exactly. I mean, at this point you can, that's all you can do. You know? Right. Sure. I guess at your size too, especially. Yeah. For sure. uh, John, you posted an IG recently. Um, I don't remember if I, well, the brand posted an IG recently, um, kind of uh, a layout of all the different uh, villain seasonal colors. And, but I want to talk about the only color that matters, which is green, right? <laughs> we see the recessed shelving. I know that shit's expensive. <laughs> and uh, you know, obviously you started out pouring your life savings into the, into the business. I know those new, those new errors aren't free because you take the fucking logo off. My question for you is how much money do you make? <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I'm definitely not telling you that. <laughs> are you, are you at the point where you're paying yourself now? Yeah. Of course. Oh, thank okay. God. Yeah. Okay. yeah. You, uh, All right. I'm, I'm, I'm starting to get nervous. I'm, I, look, I'm, I'm very appreciative of, uh, where the brand is at. I'm, I'm appreciative of our, like our staff. Like we have a group of people who have built this thing from the ground up and we're all starting to have families now. It's like a whole crop of us, like all just had kids. Yo, the John Elliott extendo fam familia. Yeah, exactly. I'm serious. And so I think like, you're now, responsible for a lot of motherfuckers now, right? Like well, it's that's true. I mean, it's about making sure that everybody is is coming up together, you know, and like we're all like in this together, and we're all like kind of this the sea level rises together. When John um, eats, we yeah, all eat. Yeah, and and then I think the other thing is like I'm I'm appreciative of our customers, you know, like straight up without trying to sound like without sounding corny, like you know this was this shit was was not a uh, like this was not promised, like I you know. I had so many people when we first started the brand, you know, you going back to that chip on your shoulder thing, people thought I was insane <laughs> to do this, you know? And it took like, it took grit. It took a lot of like, you know, a lot of um, like tough conversations with yourself to do it. And like, I'm really, really thankful for people who saw value in the product. And um, you know, you just want to do right by them. Keep like sure, keep sure. putting out product that matters. And, I mean, and like you talk about, uh, constantly pouring money back into the business, um, which is smart and something that we should definitely do. But like outside of reinvesting in yourself, what do you like to spend your money on? Um, I mean, I have like, I, I have a pretty extensive book collection. Um, I have, you know, honestly, like I have a lot of clothes. I have a, a pretty, uh, a pretty impressive helmet land collection. Um, oh, shit. Like, nice. Nine, you know, nineties through early two thousands, how the land collection. 
Uh, probably not a shocker that I found yeah. find De- denim him. denim god recognizing denim god right yeah I mean you know honestly there's so much that he did that was just so monumental for uh, the industry and and you know honest like him and Mush Prada to me are like two two gods. what so who would be the other two uh, designers on your Mount Rushmore you obviously said you have Helmet Lang and Prada who else is up there that you probably would BB and June Takahashi respect. Mm. I remember one. I remember seeing you where you were wearing um, the the Celine Air Force Ones. Like you, the first dude, that, and that became like a thing where guys were like, "Yo, this is yeah. too clean." And you were the first dude that had those. I remember that being like, "What the fuck?" Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've, respect, I've, dude. I've always been a huge, huge Phoebe fan, um, and yeah, I mean, I'm really interested to see what she does next. Like, sure. you know, like I, yeah, uh, yeah, Phoebe. Like Musha, obviously Helmet Lang, um, those exactly. like, yeah, it, look, I mean, you know, they've influenced me. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. What about, um, I know you're fucking it up in the kitchen right now, chefing up every <laughs> night in the pandemic, in the panini. <laughs> Have you like, uh, are you like fucking splurging at like the Crusade store and like getting like fucking, you know, like crazy, uh, appliances or is it just you keeping it simple there? No, definitely keeping it simple there. I mean, I, you know, I, I tend to work late, like, you know, even, even like in the height of the pandemic, I was still coming into the office. Uh, I know that's like probably, I don't know. No, you're in grind mode, dude. It was was just you. If it's just you, it doesn't matter. It was me and Nobu. Like it's it's impossible to fucking create product on zoom. Like it's just, it's impossible. So, um, yeah, you don't need to tell us, bro. I mean, we'd, we'd much rather be potting with you in person, but you know, yeah, of course. Right. Of course. So I think, you know, I, I, the whole cook at home thing is one thing, unfortunately that may have missed me. Okay. Mm. Um, all right. Well, I want to get into, uh, not just obviously we have money. Well, we have John Elliott, right. Then we have money. I want to get into the third and final topic, which is meats and cheeks (laughs) sucking and fucking, (laughs) You talk about field testing, wear testing. Um, I want to know how many hours, man hours, hog hours, did you put into field testing on uh, how popping the dick print is on those Escobar sweats? Did <laughs> you consider that? How much? How much of, of that was in consideration? In the were you like the, the hog is not popping, Nobu? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Nobu, back to the drawing board. The hog must be more robust. <laughs> Here it is. I've been waiting for it. I've been waiting for the moment. Oh yeah. my god! You know, we we started yeah. with Dick Field. We're ending with robust hogs. Yeah. Definitely, that was that's the whole that's the genesis behind that whole thing. <laughs> right. Exactly. That's how I've been wearing sweats for years, that. and my dick always looked like shit. So I had to create my own fucking sweats. Oh my god! You know what's so funny about the Escobar? So, like, obviously, it's in, it's so it's inspired by a. Uh, like a um, a soccer pant from Colombia, hmm. so like Pablo Escobar, era, like era, like cocaine soccer, like those sure. dudes had just like the most outrageous. Like when they soccer. they killed the goalie, right? Yeah. Like, oh yeah. Like, like that was in yeah. that was in the Olympics, but like even before that, they had he like owned a, a, he owned a team, didn't he? Yeah, he had a, he owned a team in Medellin, and like mm-hmm. they were like the champions, and like they sure. actually had like legit guys who would have played probably like in Europe. And um, he was paying them to stay in Colombia, and like those dudes, like they they live like a legit rock star lifestyle. So I started to research like that way of dressing, and I just found it fascinating. And so I wanted to do a super slim sweatpant at the time, and so we got the first sample back, uh, and we were about to head out to Vegas to go to Magic, and I didn't have rib, 
So we use like a self fabric and it was super tight. So you literally couldn't, you couldn't even fucking put these things <laughs> on, right? <laughs> like you couldn't get them on. Right, right, right. <laughs> so I'll never forget, like uh, we were heading out to, uh, we were heading out to Vegas and Aaron was driving. He's like, yo, you brought those sweatpants, right? And I was like, no, no, I didn't bring them, man. They're not ready. He's like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> we turned around and we went and got them. Oh shit. So, Went back to LA, got them. They we're almost didn't make it. What's that? They yeah, almost, almost didn't make it. Yeah. So we were in an appointment, and I, I think we had two appointments going on at once. And we had a kid who was like an assistant buyer who was like just felt like he wanted to try them on. This dude, like in front of like six people in his underpants, like just <laughs> can't get them on. I'm like, no, no, disaster, disaster. Like, you know, people walking by and shit, like Damn, yeah, almost, I was, yeah, I didn't, I can honestly say I didn't expect those would be as big as they were. Like they just absolutely took off. Right. Cause they didn't fucking work as pants. <laughs> yeah, functionally exactly. speaking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, the sa- second sample, obviously we were able to fix it, but Thank they almost, didn't even, yeah. almost didn't even make it. And now they're ribbed for your pleasure. So anyone yeah. who hasn't tried go. on anyone, I will say as a proud Escobar owner and wear for many years, they're going to make your dick fucking pop. You're going to need yeah. a pair of those. And now you're they got th- the function, the functioning ribs. You're, thank- you're good to you're go, thing- dude. You're thanking gonna be thanging that's that's for damn sure yeah for real. Almost spit. <laughs> well john uh from from uh bringing non-functional samples to magic to uh being the proud owner of recessed shelving once again congrats on that um you know obviously you're doing super fucking well the brand is reaching new heights every single day lawrence and i cannot be prouder to call you a friend and a colleague um that being said we think you could do better, bro. Yeah. And so if it's cool with you and it's cool with everyone in the office that's still there, uh, we want to offer up some constructive criticism because, you know, take it from two retired podcasters perspective. It's very important. It's a, it's a robust demographic in America. Yeah. Um, we yeah. want to see you level up. So Let's go. I, I love this. Take it or leave it. We highly recommend yeah. uh, you take it. Um, so you're no stranger to working with NBA players and you're no stranger to, uh, you know, New York sports being the proud owner of 5 million Yankees fitted. Um, the New York Knicks are having a little bit of a moment right now. Why don't you uh, link up with RJ Barrett and do his signature shoe? <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> the Knicks are over there. What? Like eighth place. And yeah, like, I think you gave them. I think they're five hundred. <laughs> yeah, I think they're five hundred, or they were last night. So I don't know. He's got to give the Lakers, whatever. So are you? So you're. So you're a Lakers fan, I guess. The LeBron thing, also, right? Like at this point. Now. Yeah, I mean that's caught me in some hot water being from the Bay Area and right to LA and becoming a Lakers fan. But yeah, no, I mean I became a Lakers fan when Kobe was here. Like I, I think when you when I was first starting the brand. um, like, you know, honestly watching Kobe, Kobe, uh, he was on a stretch right when he tore his Achilles where they were trying to make the playoffs. And I think it was like when Gary Payton and uh, like uh, Carl Malone, Carl Malone yeah, yeah. yeah, they were supposed to be like incredible. And uh, both those guys were hurt. They were awful. And Kobe was just yeah. like pairing that team. Right. And like watching him will that squad to like the playoffs. You just had, it was like, can't miss TV. You had to watch it every single night. And, um, you know, you just, you could not not root for the Lakers. And then it just like, you know, once you kind of start rooting for Kobe, you realize like how good it felt to root 
for someone who was, you know, a killer like that. Straight just, villain, baby. Yeah. Yeah. You just, you honestly, you just became a Lakers fan. And then obviously the connections with LeBron. Um, I remember like that summer, you know, thinking like he might come to the Lakers and, um, and I actually text him like when he said that, like he made the decision, Woj tweeted that he's coming to Lakers. I'm like, yo, like LA. And he was like, let's go, baby. And he I responded to you. Like, yeah, he must've like, gotten oh. like a million. He must've gotten like a billion texts. As yeah, soon as link up, I mean, big link up was, pending. Yeah. It was, uh, it was definitely he hits like, you back. He's like, who's this? Like, who? Yeah. I'm Hollywood Braun now. Yeah. yeah. Lose my number of creep. No, but, <laughs> like, if you could uh, do a signature shoe for anybody, not LeBron, uh, who would it be right now? Who's in the league? Do you have a favorite like young guy or would John it be Moran. like, what's up? John Moran. Oh shit. Yeah. That'd be fucking fire. Yeah. What, put, putting right. putting the LeBron friendship aside, I mean, just like as as a basketball fan and someone who grew up balling like and hooping, like what? How did it feel seeing a sneaker you designed in an NBA game? That was crazy. I mean, that's that that's to me was more of a bucket list. That was that was crazy. That was like a bucket list, almost more so than even like uh, like the Barney's plaque or like you know being nominated for like CFDA or whatever. Um, what like, was the stat line? Uh, honestly, I think he, I think it was a decent game. It was Montrezl Harrell? I think he, he won six man of the year. So yeah, like, he had to. I don't remember exactly what it was, but you know that those they were they're not performance shoes. Like so, to see someone balling in them in an NBA game at first, you're like, oh fuck, you know, like right. you're like you're you're excited, but then you're also like. Fuck! If something goes wrong, like fuck, you don't want like the Zion moment. Exactly. Right. Sure. Right. Yeah. 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 Where where, where the icons get their back blown out on live TV or some shit. Exactly. Exactly. And then your name is all over the place for the wrong fucking reason. But uh, no, I mean it's John Elliott ruins promising young NBA career. Exactly. Exactly. So you know, thank God. But no, I mean that's. I'm a like that's the one thing I'm an NBA junkie like I I I love basketball I uh you know it's it's something that like my dad coached me growing up like my brother played like you know I you know loved every moment of competing when I was young and it's something that I follow closely you're still nice you're still nice right now you're still top top dog in the office no of course not no no I don't even I don't even pretend to try and hoop anymore basketball is such a young man's game right that like I feel like once you're my age, you should just call it for what it is and just like enjoy the kids. Yeah, it's like they always said, design or go to the league. And obviously, uh, John chose to design. Um, yeah, exactly. I've heard you, so many people say that. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you've blessed us with so many fucking gems and stories tonight. Uh, this is an instant blastic uh, episode of the only podcast that matters. Not to mention, you have an unimpeachable Rolodex. Have you ever thought about starting your own fucking podcast, my dude? <laughs> I mean, I feel like there's been times, honestly, where like we we want to tell stories for uh, the season. So we'll want to go through all the various developments and give them enough air like to breathe. So we'll do it for internal use. Mm-hmm. And then we'll be like, yo, you know, we'll come out of it. And we're like, yo, that shit was so good. We should put it out there. For real. And so like we'll put it out on SoundCloud or whatever. And it'll get like literally like 
500 listens we're like yo that's a bad idea <laughs> yo that, that yo that's like a top that's a top 10 podcast right there yeah. that, also, that, that's, that sounds like a previous podcast endeavor that shall not be named when james and i were literally sharing one microphone like fucking broke boys and we're like oh damn like the soundcloud numbers are public we need to shut that feature off immediately <laughs> like, bro you should see the mic that mike and grassi bought a fucking mic for podcasting i look like frank sinatra <laughs> Just crooning. So yeah, dude. Yeah, fucking blue. Like, like, yo, should here. you break this out for these guys? I was like, hell no. <laughs> That'd be sick. Um, damn, uh, shout out like Mike. Fucking... Mike's got the vision. He fucking knows. I know Mike's in the cut. Shout looking out, like the Mike. fourth member of the Rat Pack. Always, always. All right, John. Uh, my last piece of constructive criticism for you. Obviously, you know, NBA players love your shit. They are built an audience. I mean, it's it just like it's part of their life it's every night you're going to see a fucking baller in john elliott um you know you talk about developing the core items developing pushing the frontiers of the new shit uh why don't you launch a little sub brand john elliott big and tall exclusively for nba players i mean so like i I will say a lot of our core items they come in i think like I, I don't even know. It's like five X or six X and by I'll design. Be, no, well, I'll be honest. I was on the site one time and I didn't even realize that we were doing it. <laughs> so I called Aaron and I was like, yo, what the fuck is this? <laughs> and he's like, Oh yeah. I had no grade up the Escobar sweats to six. Like, you know, basically for he did the, it the time. And yeah. I, it flew under the radar and I didn't even know about it until I saw it on the site. And um, yeah, I think, you know, it was, it, we offer that right now. Um, Didn't you do some sweats with like a crazy, they were like yeah, yeah. sweats that were like, what was yeah. the inseam yeah. on that? Like 47? Oh, like, oh my God. So we call those the keto sweats. I mean, right. honestly, they, you could stand on top of the table and hang them down. <laughs> they were like, they were probably, I'm not even kidding, like eight feet. Like, <laughs> it was like just so ridiculous. And that was like, those were in the early days when yeah, I remember you know, you're starting to get some sweatpants. You're starting to get some traction. You're really feeling yourself, and you're like, I can. <laughs> this I can is a good anything. idea. This is a good yeah. one. You go home. You're smoking weed, and you're like, I can do anything. And then you know, like some people, can, some people like to see you push, and then other people were like, Yo, bro, this, like, were you high? And you're like, Yeah, yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. I mean, no, that- don't worry. In in five years, this this player Taco Fall is going to come out, and there's going to be yeah. no break with him yeah. with this. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Get, getting high and having amazingly bad ideas is the perfect transition to the last piece of constructive criticism. Have you ever thought we've talked so much about the villain, these icons that, you know, you've built this entire fucking empire on. Have you thought about launching villain condoms with a side zip? So like super easy on and easy off. And it would be like a cool stylish option for a guy like James who hates having protected sex because yeah. it's just not cool. But we could make it cool, you know. I mean, it's a, it's yo. like a slap. It's like a slap bracelet. You just slap it on, and then zip, and then you're good. Zip, zip. You know, I mean, just, <laughs> we've talked about collaboration. I mean, I feel like that one is like functional. Definitely makes sense. DNA in the brand. If you guys can make Trojan bang this man's line immediately. 
Yo, if you guys, you guys can make that happen, yeah. you know, just cut me a check. All right. Yeah. I mean, or you could just wear those fucking eight foot sweatpants over your whole body. And then you're just fucking a human condom. Dude. Body condom. Yeah. Up, yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> we um, lost, lost control of this. John, well, perfect fucking timing because, yo, thank you for coming yeah, on thanks, the John. podcast that matters. Your time oh, has man. unfortunately come to an end. We, we could keep going for like three more hours. I wish we could. And we will um, behind the paywall. We so, will behind the paywall. We have some you know, content, bonus content for our best friends behind the paywall. John, yeah. if they don't already, where can the kids follow you? Yeah. What would you like to plug? What's your Go socials? On. Just the time is yours. Well, first, I appreciate you guys. Like, you know, long time coming. Obviously, Absolutely. I feel like we all kind of came up together. So, like, it's been impressive to watch you guys as well. And anybody who's fighting their own cause, like, much respect. Respect. Um, Thank you. Yeah. I mean, honestly, just... uh the website, our website, johnelliot.com, Instagram, John Elliott Co., um, two stores, 8808 Melrose, and then uh, Miami Design District, new flagship. Um, you know, that's that's really it. And I think, you know, I just uh, I appreciate you guys and my squad. Dude, you're you're a humble fucking legend, and we couldn't be happier to finally fucking host you on the only podcast Ready? that matters. Thank you, John. Appreciate Chef, you, dog. Hit that Thank motherfucking outro music, baby. Uh. I used to pray for times like this, to rhyme like this, so I had to grind like that, to shine like this, in a matter of time I spent on some locked up shit, in the back of the paddy wagon, cuffs locked on wrist, see my dreams unfold, nightmares come true, it was time to marry the game, and I said yeah I do, if you want it you gotta see it with a clear eye view. Got shorty, she try and bless me like I said I chew Like a nigga sneeze, nigga please for them trick squeeze I'm getting cream, never let them hoes get in between Of what we started, little nigga but I'm lying hearted They love me when I was stuck and they hate it When I departed, I go and get it regardless Draw like I'm an artist, no crawling Went straight to walking with foreigns in my garages Are foreign bitches menaging, fucking sucking and swallowing Anything for a dollar, they tell me get him, I got him, got him I did it without an album. I did shit with Mariah. Little nigga, I'm on fire. Icy as a hockey ring, Philly nigga, I'm flyer. When I bought the Rolls Royce, they thought it was lease. Then I bought that new Ferrari, hey, to rest in peace. Hey, to rest in peace, rest in peace to the parking lot. Phantom so big, can't even fit in the parking spot. You ain't talking about my niggas, then what you talking about? Gangsta move in silence, nigga, and I don't talk a lot. I don't say a word. I don't say a word was on my grind, and now I got what I deserve. Fuck, nigga. Hold up, wait a minute. Y'all thought I was finished? When I bought the ass tomorrow, y'all thought it was winning? Flexing on these niggas, I'm like, Papa, I own this finish. Double M, yeah, that's my team. Rose, hey, the captain, I'm lieutenant. I'm the type of can of men casting, grind like I'm broke. That Lambo, my new bitch, she don't ride like my ghost. I'm riding around my city with my hands strapped on my toes. Cause these niggas want me dead, and I gotta make it back home. Cause my mama need that bill money, my son needs some milk. These niggas try to take my life, they fuck around, get killed. You fuck around, you fuck around, you fuck around, get smoked. Cause these silly niggas I bought with me don't fuck around.